Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I am your host, Mike Malatesta. On this podcast, I dig in deep with every guest to get to the roots of their success, to discover not just how it happened, but why it matters. My mission is to expose the ideas and clues you need to inspire, activate, and maximize the greatness in you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to my Friday solo episode, and uh, really happy to have you here. Thanks for joining me. I am going to share with you today something that I read uh, in the Wall Street Journal. It's an opinion column written by Andy Kessler, and I've been following, I guess is the right word, or being acquainted with Andy for many years, probably close to 20 years. I started I uh, became aware of him reading his books in the mid 2000s. He's he's written a, he's written five or six books, but three that come to mind are uh, Running Money, How We Got Here, and Eat People. It's a very strange name for a book, but Andy is uh, uh, a, I think a great writer, a great thinker, uh, and a realist. And I wanted to share this. Um, column, which is titled uh, The Lesson of Carlin's Dirty Words, uh, because it goes along with the theme that I have been uh, talking about uh, and writing about, which this whole thing about um, this notion of being offended. And um, I've come out and I've said that I I don't get offended. Uh, I get my feelings hurt sometimes. And I hear things that I don't like and don't want to hear, would rather have not heard, but I do my very, very best not to get offended because um, to me, being offended means that I've allowed someone to come into me and manipulate me in a way that I haven't invited them to do. And it feels to me like I can only be offended if I invite somebody in uh, and I just choose not to invite anybody in. But um, I think you'll get a kick out of this uh, this column, and uh, I definitely thought it was worth sharing. So this is a quote. Now, everyone is walking around wondering what they can say and censoring themselves, and as a result, lowering the standards of discussion and thought. End quote. Sounds like 2022. But the guy who said this was arrested 50 years ago this week on a charge of disorderly conduct profanity. We've come a long way, but seem to be looping back. Comedian George Carlin was performing at Summerfest in Milwaukee, which is where I am, on July 21st, 1972. Doing his then current routine, noting the absurdity that, quote, there are more ways to describe dirty words than there are dirty words. Dirty, bad, filthy, foul, vile, vulgar, off-color, blue, naughty, bawdy, saucy, raunchy, street language, gutter talk, locker room talk, barracks language, indecent, in import taste, suggestive, cursing, cussing, swearing, profanity, obscenity, and all I could think of were, he then listed what will forever be known as the seven words you can't say on television. I won't repeat them, but I bet many of you can rattle them off from memory. I am one of those people. The Summerfest arrest wasn't his first. For refusing to show his ID, he was thrown 
in the same paddy wagon as Lenny Bruce in 1962. Maybe that's why Carlin developed a routine to push free speech rights even further. He goes on to talk about an HBO documentary, George Carlin's American Dream, and I'm gonna skip over that part. Getting back to the Summerfest event in Milwaukee, the Milwaukee district attorney asked a policeman, was it disorderly? Getting no answer, he turned to an assistant district attorney and asked, you were there, what did the audience do? Well, they gave him a standing ovation. During the trial, the judge apparently hid, hid his face to cover his laughter. Mr. Carlin was acquitted. In 1973, a man complained to the Federal Communications Commission that his 15-year-old son heard Carlin's famous routine on WBAI-FM, a non-commercial station in New York. Eventually, FCC versus Pacifica Foundation made its way to the Supreme Court and Justice John Paul Stevens' Stevens's 1978 opinion, which still stands, ruled that to protect children from inappropriate quote-unquote speech, add that to Carlin's list of dirty descriptors, those seven dirty words shouldn't be heard on public airways. Though anti-establishment, Carlin's politics were hard to pigeonhole. On the illusion of choice, quote, we're led to believe we're free by the exercise of meaningless choices. Ice cream flavors, what do you want? We got 31. We've got the flavor of the week, we've got the flavor of the month, but political parties, we're down to two, end quote. He had a disdain for both sides. This 1996 bit has been replayed a lot since the draft of the Supreme Court's Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization decision was leaked and sub subsequently uh, ruled upon. Quote, boy, these conservatives are really something, aren't they? They're all in favor of the unborn. They will do anything for the unborn. But once you're born, you're on your own, end quote. But there's also this from 1972 or 1992, quote, I'm tired of these self-righteous environmentalists, these white bourgeois liberals who think the only thing wrong with this country is that there aren't enough bicycle paths. People trying to make the world safe for their Volvos, unquote. After the Pacifica decision, Carlin told the Los Angeles Times, thought and discussion depend on language and when you decrease its base, then you decrease the base for rational discussion and thought. And that's what they wanna do." End quote. In 1970s vernacular, they meant the man, the establishment. Today, they means the politically correct, the social justice warriors, the thought police who insist you're racist. Maybe Carlin's gift to the world wasn't identifying the hypocrisy of having words you can't say on TV, but pointing out that shutting down words or ideas or thoughts is destructive to a free society. He'd probably be aghast at the state of social media censorship today. If the price of our freedom is that someone may take offense, Carlin surely would think that's worth the cost. I'd agree. That's Andy Kessler saying I'd agree, and I would as well. Thanks to censorship and technology, 
the public airways have been greatly diminished. Car radio moved to Sirius XM and Spotify. Television moved to cable and satellite and Blu-ray. Now it is all streaming and anything goes. I still think youth need to be protected, but good luck with that. Eight-year-olds with smartphones can hear the forbidden words daily. I laugh at Netflix kid magnet warnings. Gore, language, smoking. Even Disney isn't as family-friendly as it used to be. And I'll add one thing here, and that is there are so many movies where the young people in the movie are using the seven words and more as if it's uh, just the normal talk of the day in a family. And that always drives me nuts. Not that I, first of all, the kids are too young to be using it. Second, hiring them to play a role where they have to talk that way and use that language all the time seems uh I don't know. It seems like you're putting kids into a bad spot and taking advantage of them. And three, I just don't see the point. But anyway, I digress. Back to, back to Andy's story. Last paragraph. Carlin died in 2008 as cancer culture and campus safe spaces for the anxious were beginning to become widespread. Today, there's a long list of things you can't say, including all lives matter and chief and birth mother and even master bedroom. Goodbye discussion and thought, then add sports team names and wrong pronouns on the playgrounds and shoot. We miss you, George Carlin. So whether you agree with Andy or not is not the point of this. Um, really, I, it struck me, his, his, his uh, opinion piece struck me because of my interest in this uh, whole notion of being offended and my choosing at least to the extent that I can, um, not to be uh, offended and to just accept that people have opinions that aren't mine, that I don't like, and um, it's their right to have them as long as they're not bothering me with anything but their words. I choose not to invite their words into my life. And I think and I'm certainly in no position to speak for everyone or anyone, but I think that if we, um, if you or we adopted that approach, it would be much tougher to get upset about things over which one, we have no control, two, we have nothing, there's nothing we can do about, and three, probably don't make a difference in our lives. Um, and I, I just, I don't, I don't like creating problems where there is no problem. So thanks for listening. I hope you got some value out of this episode. And until next time, maximize your greatness.